Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. We continue on today with our top 50 analysis. David is joining me again. It is NL East Day, one of my favorite days as a Braves fan. I have another Braves fan in here too. Uh, I should also probably introduce myself. My name is Alex Sanchez. Welcome to the show. We have a huge packed show today. Again, we got three guests and David on, so that's five of us total. If I is that correct math, David? Thank yeah, you. I think so. I, I was a math major in kindergarten, so I think that checks out. <laughs> math major in kindergarten. Very good. So, um, without further ado, let me introduce some of my guests. Uh, my favorite guest, I'm not. I'm just going to say it is Michael Kelly. Uh, Michael, welcome aboard, fellow Braves fan. How you doing? I'm doing well, Alex. Thanks for having me, and uh, it's nice coming on the podcast after the Braves have won it all. Yeah, and I want to take this moment to sort of, you know, we don't have these fancy drops, so I can't play like the actual music. But if I'm was to play a song right now, it would be the celebrate good times. All right, because we're champions. Did you need to sing it? I mean, I, I think we all kind of knew what song you're going for there. I'm surprised you didn't go with We Are the Champions that by was Queen. The that was the backup. I also have like that DJ Horn song. Bah, 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 and just play that obnoxiously. Victorious throughout. also by uh, Panic at the so Disco. Many, so many options. Um, and we're Michael, we get to keep talking about it until somebody else wins the World Series. And that's not for a long time. So I plan on uh, really living this one up. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, if Michael, get a CBA in place, it could be forever. Yeah, we'll be yeah. the champions forever. That would that's the yeah, there's no yeah. downside here. There's no downside to winning the World Series. No downside. Um, but we do have some other NL East teams here as well uh, with the Washington Nationals. Colin Coolahan is with us today to talk about his list. Colin, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. Doing good. Glad to be here. Glad to be on. I'm a. Uh... Excited to go over the division tonight. It is a uh, it, it's a very fascinating division, and uh, also with us Tony Espina. How you doing, Tony? You're with the Phillies. Uh, we'll let that slide for today. How you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. How about you? Thanks for having me on, guys. Yes, we're doing great. I think uh, this is going to be interesting. We'll see what we can do. But before we get to your teams, we do have to cover those. Miami Marlins and those New York Mets, if you could figure out by process of elimination, the two uh, writers that were not able to join us, um, just because it's hard <laughs> to get two or three adults together, let alone you know, seven at one time. But we should go over their lists as well. <clears throat> I want to start with the Miami Marlins, and we'll go around the room and get your thoughts on some of these guys as well. Um, David, I'll start with you. We got two pitching prospects in tier one. I'm sure you are a big fan of that. <laughs> Um, to be honest, I'm not sure if I would have either of these in tier one. I don't even know if I'd have anybody in tier one. I want to get some thoughts on that statement here, but, um, go ahead and talk up those two pitchers. That's Max Meyer and Edward Cabrera for the Miami Marlins. Yeah. I mean, Max Meyer, I mean, that was a, you know, third overall pick, uh, in the draft in 2020, uh, really advanced college arm. I really like him as a prospect. Um, I, I think he's solid and, and should be a really good pitcher for them going forward. 
I'm not entirely sold on, on Edward Cabrera as, as tier one. Um, you know, especially, you know, his, his big league debut, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't super great. Um, you know, it, it wasn't terrible, but, uh, he could be someone that, that can compete here in, uh, in pretty short order, but I don't think he's really kind of the, uh, tier one level talented arm among these, uh, Marlins pitching prospects, but the Marlins have a lot uh, of pitching prospects just kind of going down, uh, their system. I mean, I'd almost put, uh, Yuri Perez, uh, in tier one over Cabrera, but I mean, Perez was just phenomenal, but I'm sure we'll get to him in a little bit, but, uh, Max Meyer in, in tier one, I have no problem with at all. I think that by the time this is all said and done, there'll be two pitchers in tier one, but like you're saying, David, it could be any of these guys. I mean, Max Meyer for sure is probably the, the, the favorite to be in tier one, but I mean, like you said, Yuri Perez, don't forget about six um, Jake. Eh. <laughs> oh, that's a uh, Tony. We'll, we'll come to you. Well, let's talk about six right now. Uh, obviously with that sound <laughs> you made, um, I still have, uh, a, a, some optimism for six Sanchez. Should I kind of, uh, just throw him down here? He's number seven on the list. It's pretty low. Um, what do you think? You know, with six though, I think it's like, what's that term? Prospect fatigue. Um, I think we're getting a lot of people are tired of. He's he's healthy. He's hurt. He's called up. He's. I think he just. I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. Obviously, uh, he just. I think he just needs to prove it. I think he's he's a forgotten man, especially in such a strong system with uh, Cabrera, Meyer possibly being the, the shiny new toys. But I think Sixto, I mean, if he comes back to camp healthy, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people and people are going to say, oh, yeah, remember him. So I'm still high on him. Yeah, I think the injuries are just the only thing that's, you know, I mean, they're, they're big. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. They're big. But um, so when I take a look at this tier one, which, by the way, I should also include that Khalil Watson is the third member of this uh, trio of tier one players. Um, I'm wondering, Colin, do you think that this is accurate or do you think that maybe we could remove one or even uh, potentially add someone to tier one? What are your thoughts on uh, how this list is organized at the top? I think you could probably switch out Cabrera for uh, Yuri Perez. I think that you can make an argument for Yuri Perez being the top overall prospect in this this system. He was absolutely dominant uh, last year. He's still a little raw. He has some work to do, but he has – Probably the probably the best fastball in the system. All his ch- uh, pitches are above average. The command is good. Cabrera, he needs to work on kind of throwing pitches with better intent. He uh, he doesn't quite have that command that puts him in that tier one category yet. He's close. He could come out next year and just start pounding to the strike zone, really commanding his pitches in in the zone. Uh, he could be that tier one player maybe by midseason next year. I, to me right now, he's tier two. I, I, I think Yuri Perez is the top prospect in this system. Well, I mean, that's that's I was going to have that hot take, too. So now I guess it's not quite as a hot take because I, I like Meyer. I really do. But, you know, the size has gotten me thinking, you know, six foot. Um, there's just not a lot of like true aces that are that size. Um, a lot of the times, and they're just hedging your bets on that fact is, and you're not going to be right and you're going to be wrong. But um, I mean, I like Meyer for sure. I think I would put Meyer and Perez 
and then I would put down Cabrera and Watson. But what do you think, David? I know you're the 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 draft guy. I haven't seen a lot of Khalil Watson or studied him too much, but uh, there are some people that think his fantasy ceiling is like top five overall fantasy player if everything goes absolutely perfectly. So uh, what do you think about Khalil Watson, David? Yeah, if everything goes right, I mean, he certainly has a, a very high ceiling. And keep in mind, during the draft, there were rumors, even on like draft day and the few hours leading up, that the Pirates could take Khalil Watson number one overall. Uh, he ended up sliding to 16, mostly due to bonus demands and, and what he was asking for to sign. Um, but the Marlins took him and they were somehow able to uh, get him to agree to a deal and bring him in the fold. And I think that was a huge steal for them. Um, I think they really had a phenomenal draft uh, with the young talent that they brought in. But, I mean, Watson is a guy with uh, big time potential. He was part of that group of, of high school shortstops um, in the mix to go number one overall. So a lot of talent there. I mean, a, a really a lot of talent and uh, someone that's probably going to be, at, at the very least, a, a top five-ish uh, first-year player draft uh, selection for, for most people. So, yeah. I mean, we'll kind of see what happens with his future. Obviously, very young, has a long way to go, but smooth left-handed swing. Um, and he's someone that uh, really has an incredibly high ceiling. Yeah, Colin, Colin Wat- or Khalil Watson is he's an, sort of an enigma, I think. Uh, there was some off-the-field stuff, too, with him potentially dropping him down. But just made me think of the Pirates and, like, Henry Davis better be damn good because they passed on three of the best prep shortstops that we've seen in a draft in a long time, you know, from what we can gather. So... Uh, Davis better be really darn good, I think. <laughs> Otherwise, they, they're going to re, uh, regret that. Uh, let's move down a little bit to Tier 2. Tony, uh, get you back into the mix here. There's a couple of guys in the system that I've always had my eye on. They've been very interesting. Um, those guys are Peyton Burdick at number 5, J.J. Blade at number 6, and unfortunately no longer on the list was Cameron Misner, who I always felt like one of these three guys is going to be just a an absolute monster in the big leagues. I just didn't know exactly which one. Um, but Blade has really struggled in 2021 um, to the point where I'm wondering if six is even too high. Um, so, Tony, what are your thoughts on J.J. Blade, the outfielder for the Marlins? You know, I, I thought the same thing as you did about him with, uh, with his struggles. But, um, I mean, he's already 24 years old, which kind of scares me a little if he's still struggling. But he did have a nice camp, I mean, a nice uh, fall league over in Arizona. Um, cut down the strikeout rate like Stoffer wrote about. Um, I mean, it, maybe he's putting it all together. Maybe it took him a little longer to put it all together. Um, Burdick, I mean, the, the guy has a lot of power. Um, strikeout issues, batting average. But, I mean, if he can get that under control, he can get that power going in the major leagues. Uh, you mentioned Cameron, who the best of the three you know how the Rays are. Maybe maybe Misner's going to be the best of the three since they traded for him. Who knows? You know. Yeah, that, I, I agree with what you're saying. Colin, when you take a look at this list, I, I'm taking maybe the top, I think all the way to number nine and kind of maybe even Dax Fold. But to me, there's a big drop off to the bottom of the system. Um, and I, I wish, you know, Stoffer could be on here. Um, and I know he also had some help with this list as well with some uh, some co- uh, collaboration. But 
it, there seems to be a big drop off after the top, top guys. Cause you look at this list and you're like, Oh my goodness, this is like one of the best systems in baseball. And at the top, it, it, it probably can compete with anybody, but at the bottom, I just don't see a lot of guys that are catching my attention. What do you think, Colin? It, it, it is a little uh, top heavy in terms of like star quality. There are some guys with some decent tools. I feel like Jose Devers has been around for forever. Uh, it, I, I believe right now he's sort of more field over over bat. Uh, the defense should get him in a lineup as, as long as the bat is at least average. Uh, I'm looking through the the, the 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 list now. Griffin Conine is a power bat, but he's got a lot of K issues. He needs to iron those out. Nick Needart is a guy who's in the major leagues right now. He can be a fourth or fifth starter, but he's probably a swingman or a long reliever uh, at his peak. So it, it does get pretty, pretty thin a- after these big names. Yeah, I think so. Um, all right, let's go to everybody's favorite team to hate the New York Mets. I think we can all agree that uh, nobody likes the Mets in here, but we should talk about the prospects just because we're, you know, we're equal opportunity. We give you guys a chance. Um, although let's be honest, um, the Mets are getting really scary but again and they've done this in the past so many times where you're like oh my gosh here come the Mets and then you look and it's you know June and they're you're just laughing at them and that's what happened last year to them they just uh, they got everybody and it didn't it didn't really matter so uh, I guess they have to change that a little bit but uh, tier one I'm you know I'm not a catcher guy I'll I'll be happily admit that I'm not a, a Dynasty, at least, catcher guy. I understand their importance in real. We life. know. I'm not an idiot, but but uh, so Fred, to see Francisco Alvarez in tier one, um, you know, I I I'll be honest. I kind of ignore catchers when I you know I oh he's a catcher. I'm not going to investigate too fully on him. So David, maybe you can turn me on to a, a catcher because I know he's a, a very highly ranked, uh, 20 year old up to high A now already. Um, so. Uh, Tell me this, at least, Dave. How far behind Adley Rutschman do you think Alvarez is? Um, I mean, at, at least a little bit. I mean, Adley is is far closer to the big leagues. Um, he's shown success at the upper levels of the minors. Meanwhile, Alvarez has only just reached high A. But Alvarez has incredible power. Um, and the hit tool really seems to be there that he's going to be able to uh, tap into that power on a regular basis. Um, and he's a very strong defender behind the plate. So, I mean, really, he's someone who has the capability to be to stay at catcher long term, uh, to be a strong, strong enough defender there to stick and also have the, the hit and the power to really become uh, an all star caliber catcher. I mean, there's there's not many catchers in the big leagues that have a combination of both defense and great hitting ability. I mean, most teams have been focusing on just, you know, make sure you got the defense, the pitch framing, throwing out base runners, that type of stuff. Um, and anything you get offensively is just gravy. Uh, but with Alvarez, he's someone who can be a middle of the order power type bat while also being a catcher. So I, I think with that, um, the, I think he, he definitely should qualify as tier one just because, I mean, the, that's, pretty much an all-star caliber catcher um, right. as far as how far he is behind uh, Adley Rutschman. I mean, I, I think he's probably second on the, on the catcher charts, you know, where, where to put him on top 100. I mean, that, that's a completely different thing, but um, I think when it comes to the 
catcher rankings, it's Adley firmly at one, and Francisco Alvarez is probably two or three. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I, I always go – you always make this, this great argument about the catcher. When you get one that does both and plays all the time, it's such a big advantage to the tight end in fantasy football where most of them suck and will actually probably hurt you more than they will help you. But if you can get that Travis Kelsey um, – it's just such a huge thing that it's almost I'm almost getting to the point where I'm going to start zigging and while well, others are zagging or whatever the expression is and just go for some of these catchers that have that potential. Um, hey, I already got Adley Rutschman in our league, so you do whatever, man. Yeah, but I mean, if you can find a guy that has a, the potential to be that hundred. I mean, it's so hard to catch, though. That's where I stop myself, I guess, because I mean, to catch 140 games year after year. I mean, how long can you do that. We need that DH. I'm, I'm, I guess we'll get it. But um, Brett Batty at number three. Um, Tony, what are your thoughts here on uh, having him in tier one, two? I think that uh, it's reasonable. I don't think that I'm aghast by it in any sense. I know the power is very appealing and he's probably staying at a, a you know, a third base. Um, but I, I'm interested to hear uh, your thoughts on tier one for uh, for Brett Batty. Um, I, I don't see a problem with it. I don't see a problem at all. I mean, um, he came he came up. He's been doing well uh, the last couple of years in the system. Um, like you said, he's got the power, uh, hit for average, um, professional hitter. I, I don't see a problem with that. Um, it's going to be a nice problem for the team having him and Vientos uh, hammering it out for for the starting role. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe within a year or so. Vientos seems like he's close too, so it'll be interesting to watch which one is is their full time starter. Yeah, he has uh, Mark Vientos at number five, so clearly he kind of prefers uh, Brett Beatty, um, who is now a tier above him as well. Uh, moving on to tier two, um, fascinating stuff here. Um, Ronnie Mauricio, no problem there. I, I mean, I love my middle infielders, especially the young ones that are already, you know, he's 20 years old at Double A as a middle infielder. That's very good. <laughs> but another guy below him, I'm so happy that he didn't lower this guy because I was uh, really starting to uh, pump him up into my you know, 70, 80 range before he got hurt. And that's Matthew Allen, Matt Allen. Um, uh, he was he has a great pitching build. I mean, he's got the the height and the, the you know, the what you're looking for at a number one type of starter. Uh, of course, the Tommy John surgery is a, a big asterisk, but to have him at number four. Um, David, you're my pitching expert here. Um, <laughs> what do you think at number four? I, I'm ready for it. I mean, I'm ready to go get Matt Allen wherever I can. Um, but you tell me. I mean, I think his placement at four might also just kind of say something about the overall depth of the prospects in the Met system. Um, but I mean, Allen really, I mean, when he's healthy, is a very talented, very, very uh, a good starting pitcher. Um, I mean, obviously, we'll see how he comes back from Tommy John. And, I mean, really, in recent years, you know, pitchers have been able to come back pretty well uh, from that surgery. So, you know, we don't truly know until we see him back out there on the field. Um, and when we do, obviously, he'll he'll move around from there. But uh, based on his talent, based on his potential, I don't think number four is, is too egregious of a spot. I, I think it's a pretty solid uh, position. Maybe you could flip him with, with Vientos who is at five. Um, but I mean, really overall, I, I don't think it's anything too, uh, too extreme of a position. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't know 
who you could argue for with a serious face that is not in, you know, Vientos, like you said, is the obvious one. But I mean, the the names below certainly don't instill a lot more confidence. They all come with their question marks. Um, although number seven, um, Alexander, Alex, he, I guess he's shortening the names here, <laughs> or these guys are shortening their names. Um, probably because when they sign those Bowman cards, they don't want to, that's a lot of signing. You got to, just put the, the shortest name possible. But Alex Ramirez, outfielder, uh, he's just, it seems like every system is getting these guys, these teenagers that are just having absurd uh, numbers in the low minors. He's all the way up to low A as a 19-year-old, um, a guy that I really, really think uh, is under the radar. Um, you could probably find him in a certain dynasty leagues as well. But uh, Colin, I'll come back over to you. Um, I know I kind of did this to you with the last system, but um, after Alexander, or I, Alex Ramirez, as we're calling him, um, I don't see uh, a huge amount of uh, exciting guys either. It's kind of very similar to the Marlins. Top looks good, but the bottom is a little questionable. Do you, what do you think about that statement? There's there's a few names. Uh, if, if, if you kind of squint a little bit, uh, Khalil, Khalil Lee jumps out at you. He had a, not a great introduction to MLB pitching last year. I think he was hitting under a hundred. He went back down to the minor leagues, 14 home runs, 270 batting average. It came with a high K rate, but that kind of seems to be the modern game. So maybe he can, maybe he gets another chance this year and he can hit MLB pitching. The The name I really like uh, in this, the, in the lower part of the list is Nick Plummer. He was a former top prospect had a great uh, bounce back season last year. Unfortunately, the Cardinals decided to not keep him. I don't know what happened there, but the Mets signed him almost immediately. I, I think he's got a real, real chance to, to make the team out of spring training or at least get some MLB uh, at bats this this year. He could be a, he could be a really nice uh, fourth outfielder for outfielder for, for that team. Yeah, that name stood out to me as well. Actually, the, both of those names are very good calls. Khalil Lee. Um, who, if you kind of ignore last year, was uh, very highly thought of. And I remember his debut had some excitement as well. It just went just about as bad as a debut can possibly be. But still, we shouldn't hold him just to that. And then, yeah, that see uh, see if that Cardinals magic can follow Nick Plummer over to New York and see if he can uh, just come out of nowhere seemingly. Because he is, uh, you know, like I said, he's 25 already. Um, and the Cardinals, they, they seem to know what they're doing a lot of the times. But Devil anyway, magic. we're you, yeah, I was waiting, waiting for that devil magic remark. <laughs> you got, you got to get that in there. I love it. All right. Uh, okay. The Mets, Marlins, done. Let's go ahead and we'll take a break here. We'll come back and discuss the rest of the NL East, including the Braves, the Phillies, and the Nationals. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
And we are back. This is Futures Focus, a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. You may have uh, wondered why you weren't hearing Michael Kelly, um, who celebrated with me, um, and they got so excited that he had to just continue the celebration, um, and he is no longer with us. <laughs> uh, that sounds a little dark. Like He's, he's, he's drinking he, champagne, he's, got a little too drunk to stay yeah, on the pod. He's, he's putting on the highlights. From YouTube and just reliving those moments. I don't blame him. No, we had problems with uh, the connection. Like you, you said earlier, getting all these people on at one time is a is a, a an effort. So we apologize. Uh, sorry to see Michael go, Mike, my, my buddy, my Braves guy. But the good thing is that your host uh, happens to be a, an enormous Braves fan, and I, I know their system quite well. So hopefully, I can do Michael Kelly justice with his list. I I, I really liked his list. I was. Very impressed with uh, his rankings, almost exactly what I would have. Um, but let's start there, guys, because, hey, it's the Braves. We have, we have to start there. Um, and I'll, I'll just take on the role of a, of a Michael Kelly, I guess. And we'll, we'll continue to do our uh, original plan, which is to compare some of these prospects. So um, the Braves don't have a tier one. Um, and the Phillies, you're over there also realizing uh, you don't have a tier one. But to me, Michael Harris, and, and David knows this quite well, is a potentially tier one player. So I'm going to take Michael Harris and explain, um, you know, why we can compare him to some of your other tier one prospects in this um, conversation. I think Michael Harris doesn't do anything poorly. Um, and I think that the thing that he's lacking is the I'm starting to come to this realization is that the power, I don't really care if it's not quite there as a 20 or 21 year old. Um, as long as the strikeouts are down and the contact rate is up and the hit tool, that's the thing. If you can have that hit tool and you clearly have the tools, the power is going to come. I mean, we've seen guys like Francisco Lindor when he comes up, this guy, when he was in the minors, you never thought he was going to hit 30 home runs. And he put back to back to back seasons of 30 home runs together. And uh, I think the power is showing up with these guys. And for me, if that's the, the thing you go with Michael Harris, that's fine. Um, to me, he has the potential to definitely be an all-star with the defense. Uh, he's going to steal a ton of bases. He's just super tools up, and that's what you want, dynasty and real life. So to me, a tier one player, uh, but you know, he's in the tier two um, for Michael. But I think he's very, very close. I think he probably would have said that. But uh, let's compare Michael Harris um, to Collins' list here. We have uh, uh, You have two tier one players. And I want to go to the group here. Um, you have Kiebert Ruiz, a catcher, and Cade Cavalli, a right-handed pitcher. And I have Michael Harris on my Braves here. Um, go ahead and make the case for those two, first of all, Colin, to be in Tier 1, why you like them, enough to put them in there. And then I want to go to Tony and David and see uh, who would they, how they would order those three guys. So I, I think... One thing I've noticed personally in the last few seasons is we see a lot of hitters who are hit tool first with, we'll say, average power. They have been able to increase their power output at the MLB level because they're so elite at getting the barrel of the bat on the ball. Their bat-to-ball skills are just insane. They're very elite at making good contact. I don't think Kiebert Ruiz is going to hit for like 30, 40 home runs, but I think he could be a 25 home run hitter, 20 home run hitter at peak with a very, very good average. He doesn't strike out a lot. Decent approach. Maybe you want to see him walk a little bit more, but I think we're splitting hairs there. He 
He's uh, improved his game calling. He's improved his, his receiving. I, I think he's just to be a steady, steady force in that lineup for, for many, many years. He's just a very, very good hitter. And if he were to able to, if he were able to add some power over the next few years, just by maybe lifting his launch angle a little bit, or just, you know, making a little bit more hard contact, I really wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that, he's, he's, he's a fantastic hitter. And as far as you know, uh, Cade Cavalli goes, he was probably one of the best minor league pitchers in baseball. He led the minor leagues in strikeouts with 175 Ks. He throws four pitches. The fastball hits 100 miles an hour. Two breaking balls, a changeup. That's that's a starter's arsenal. He got roughed up a bit at, at the at AAA, but he's he's still a little young. He probably needs another another few months, if not a full year in AAA before we see him called up. He's got the makings of a, a top of the top of the rotation on. Fair enough. Tony, you have the next pick. You can pick from Ruiz Cavalli or Michael Harris. Who are you taking? Michael Harris. Yeah. Um, good answer. <laughs> as impressive as Cavalli and Ruiz are, good years, good, good potential. You know, Harris brings the, those stolen bases with that hit tool. If, if you can get that 34 steal, 30, 40 stolen base guy, that 10, 15 home runs with a good average, that 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 goes a long way in fantasy, especially how scarce steals are now. So I'm going to go with Harris. Yeah. All right, David, what do you think? You have the same predicament. You have those three to choose from. It's your pick on a dynasty draft. Who are you taking? I'd probably still take Harris as well. I mean, it, for for the same reason you guys mentioned. I mean, the uh, the hit tool, the speed, and the power I think is really going to be there. And as you mentioned, Alex, you know, guys with uh, strong hit tools and just good bat to ball skills, they end up getting power show up. I'm going to use an example that uh, both you and I are, are going to understand pretty well. Uh, you know, you, you've got the the Padres system, and one of the biggest or one of the big Padres prospects in recent years was Luis Arias, who is obviously now on on the Brewers. Did you ever envision, or were there ever any any reports about Luis Arias being a potential 20 home run hitter in a season? No, never, never. No, absolutely not. But what did he do in 2021? He hit over 20 home runs. So you know, they're, they're looking at it like he's just got the incredible bat to ball skills. And he just gets into one every once in a while, and he ends up with 20 home runs. So, I mean, really, that that skill, I mean, that that's something that can really uh, pop up with guys who have that strong hit tool. And, you know, Harris has that, and I, I agree with you. I think the power is going to come. And that extra speed definitely does make him more of a, a fantasy value player over Kybert Ruiz, who is not going to bring uh, that type of um, that, that type of stolen base threat. No, of course, as a catcher, definitely not. I love the, I love switch hitting catchers though. There's no doubt about that. Of course. Uh, and you know, Cavalli, what he did, I, you know, as silly as it sounds, that stupid little futures game showed me a lot about some of these guys. And Cavalli was out here like trying to hit 108 miles per hour on the gun, and I I love it. Go, you know, that's kind of the mentality I want. You know, go out there and just show out. And, and so Cavalli did that. I think um, I like all three of these guys in tier one. Um, I mean, for the the ceiling, like if we were to pick one guy that you said, okay, this is going to be, a, you know, a Cy Young award winner or an MVP candidate. I think Cavalli is probably the Cy Young candidate. I don't know if Harris or Ruiz would ever get to the point where they're MVP candidates, but there is a path 
to me that Cavalli gets to, to to that Cy Young level. Now, of course, that you know everything goes right, but the ceiling I think is insane there. All right, we talked about those two systems. Let's talk a little bit about the Philly system because I don't know how close any of these guys are to tier one. Um, I think for me, Stott and Abel are probably the closest, but then you have Johan Rojas at number one. So I would love to know how close he is to tier one and why he's your number one prospect, Tony. Uh, you know, when I ranked them, I expected a lot of questions about that. And, and sure enough, there were, uh, I just, I, I like with Ro- what Rojas does. Um, you know, I'm looking at his numbers last year at 11 home runs, 34 stolen bases. Uh, granted, you know, it was, it was an A ball, but he, he's just getting started. He's young. He's 21. Um, he, he's got the tools to be, if not a five tool or maybe a, a four tool outfielder, uh, when he hits the majors, um, I, I think he could definitely contribute, obviously, more categories than um, Abel, than Stott. Stott's, Stott's much closer to the majors. Believe me, he's he's probably going to be their starting shortstop by uh, by May. It could be out of spring training if they don't play the the, uh, the time frame game, of course, depending on the next contract, whatever they do. But Stott, Stott's going to be a solid player. He's not Nothing's really going to jump out with him. He'll be more of a 10, 10, 15, 15 consistent type player. Uh, Rojas is going to be more of a dynamic guy. I think he could do more um, more exciting. I think he could do maybe like a, a 20, 40 season. I think that's going to help more than Stott. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Michael Harris now um, since we we just recently talked about him where that, that stolen base, you know, you, you hate to just bank on that, but that's sort of what the dynasty fantasy game is. I mean, stolen bases are just so hard to find. And if a guy's doing it with putting a little bit, I mean, you could find home runs anywhere. I mean, CJ Crone, right? You could have picked him up for nothing. And you just got like 30 bombs out of him with a good average too, to boot because he plays in course. So uh, the power is easier to find than the speed because uh, you know, a lot of the times the speed, it doesn't play every day. Whereas the power, those guys tend to play a lot. All right. This, Mention of Bryson Stott got me to think about the middle infield or prospects for each of these three teams that we're talking about. Um, and David, since you uh, have no dog in the fight per se, I want you to tell uh, uh, the listeners who you would take out of these three that I'm going to mention right now. Okay, so you just heard Bryson Stott from Tony. Um, the Braves have an infielder shortstop at number two, Vaughn Grissom, who I'm sure is going to surprise a few listeners out there. Um, some much bigger names below like the Drew Waters, Christian Pache, even Spencer Strider who made his MLB debut and yet you have Vaughn Grissom at number 2. It seems crazy unless you actually take a closer look at what Vaughn Grissom did. He's the Michael Harris as Michael Kelly put it so eloquently in his write up of the middle infielder uh middle, middle infield positions for the Braves. He has a great hit tool. He had just insane numbers. Um and now he's a little bit older than Michael Harris was, but still great, great numbers at low A and high A. He was hitting everything. The power is not quite there, but again, with the hope that it's coming, just like these other guys that we've mentioned prior, I think Vaughn Grissom is just absolutely the number two prospect in the system, um, despite some of those other names that uh, people probably have recognized more. But uh, that's my my little speech there, David. Uh, Colin, you have a guy who, if I'm being honest, I'm probably taking a, ahead of those other two, and that's Brady House. Is, is it House, by the way? I've, 
Yeah, it's a. I'm pretty sure it's house. I, 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 I have, I have it's like a building you live in. Yeah, <laughs> David, you're you're the expert. I should have went to you too. Yeah. So Dave, Brady House. Um, um, <clears throat> I love this guy. I think he's fantastic. But uh, Colin, you take it away. You tell David why uh, Brady House is the pick here. He's just got incredible power. He he may legitimately have 70 grade raw power. Uh, he, I, I know we talked about Khalil Watson being the the steal of the draft for the Marlins. I, I think House. Uh, kind of tops Watson's steal. The the Nationals were given a gift when when they fell to him at uh, when he fell to them at, at 11. He's got he's athletic enough to probably stick at shortstop. The only thing that may possibly push him off is size, but he makes all the plays look look easy. Super athletic. He's he popped four home runs in his uh, brief stint in in the in the uh, FCL. He's just got all the tools you want out of a out of a uh, a fantasy hitter. All right, David, you're on the clock. Vaughn Grissom, Bryson Stott, or Brady House, who you taking? I'm taking Brady House, and this was even before Collins' uh, speech. I mean, it was a great speech and all, but I was taking Brady House anyways. I mean, I, I completely agree. That dude, uh, you know, incredible power. I think he can be a stud. Um, you know, as much as uh, Grissom and Stott are talented, uh, House, I, I think, just has a much bigger ceiling um, and I, I really think he's going to be someone that that's going to be put in a position to to thrive there in Washington. And yeah, his talent is just uh, completely undeniable. And, and I think tops uh, Bryson Stott and, and Von Grissom. So I I got to go with Brady House here. All right, I want to get your thoughts on this next statement along with yours too, Colin. I have the third overall pick in my first year player draft. I'm going to take Brady House with that pick, if, unless m- there's something crazy happens. Um, David, what do you think? Th- uh, third overall pick in first-year player drafts, too crazy? No, I don't think that's too crazy at all. I have the second overall pick in uh, in mine, and I was I was thinking of uh, taking, taking Brady House there as well. I mean, obviously it depends. Hopefully Marcelo Meyer falls, but uh, I'm not holding my breath uh, too much for that. <laughs> Um, but no, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. Yeah, I think I think Meyer is the clear number one, and then after that, you can make a case for House. Um, so what do you think, Colin? Is is three too high? Do you like some of the other guys, or is that where if you want House, you gonna you might have to take him? If you want House, you gotta take him there. Uh, there's honestly, there's probably four or five players uh, in in this draft that if you take at that spot, I really can't argue with it with you. They're, they're that talented, but three for houses, I'm fine with that. And it looks like the housing market is going up still. <laughs> um, he he looks his swing looks like Bobby Witt, man. I'm it just he, he's, he got, he's got he's got senior or junior. <laughs> I never saw Bobby Witt senior hit, so I can't okay say that. But house man that. Uh, I wish he would run a little bit more, but he's just too big. He's just too big, but uh, yeah, plus, plus power. Um, all right, Tony, let's go back to you a little bit. Um, let's talk about pitching prospects here because I think, again, these kind of these line up nicely in a lot of these systems, and this is no exception. So Andrew Painter you have at number four, uh, and Dave, we'll come back to you and discuss kind of who you prefer of these trio I'm going to give out. Um, what do you think about Andrew Painter? 
um, 19 year old rookie right-handed pitcher? You know, I, I think him and Abel are going to form a great one, two in a couple of years in the, uh, in the major league rotation, you know, assuming health, but, um, good fastball. He's got four pitches, the fastball, his curve, slider, change up, um, junior college guy, first round pick. Uh, he didn't pitch too many innings, uh, last year in the rookie league. I think he only pitched about six innings, struck out 12, um, if he stays healthy, he's he, he's a mature dude. He's he's poised. Um, he, he's going to make an impact in the future. And then, Colin, going over to your list, numbers four, five, and six are all right-handed pitchers. So I'll let you pick the guy that you kind of want to go to battle with here, the one that you maybe believe in the most uh, going forward. And you can maybe mention a little bit about each of the other ones as well, if you could. That's that's tough. <laughs> there's 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 a uh... There's sort of this the same risk with uh, with them. There's some reliever risk. Cole Henry, uh, really good stuff. He doesn't walk a ton of guys. He's improved his secondaries. He's he's not afraid to to, to throw the ball in the in the strike zone, but he really does need to improve those secondaries if he wants to stick in the rotation. Same thing. Uh, I think this is tough. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine today, actually, uh, about some of these arms in the system. I, I, I think Rutledge has the the ability to really pop out, out of those three. He he may have the best stuff in, in in the system, and he really did struggle this past year with command. He had some injuries, but I, I've read that some scouts at last year's instructionals were saying he wasn't that far behind Kavali, who's the best pitcher in, in, in the system. So if that's true, and and and, and if he can stay healthy next year if he can improve the command he 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 could be the best pitcher in this system right now that's that's the guy i, I would put my, my money on all right i like it the jackson rutledge versus andrew painter and with the braves there's a very very clear number one pitching prospect since some of the graduations from last year uh and that is spencer strider spencer strider did make his mlb debut i was i was shocked as a braves fan to see that they were ready to move him up. I, I get the thinking there, like, let's just see if he can throw 100 miles per hour in the bullpen and just dominate in the playoffs. Um, but he didn't make the playoff roster, uh, alas. But he still came up, and he did exactly that. He, I mean, he was hitting, uh, as Michael shows in his uh, Twitter embed video here, hitting 99, 100. Um, but he is a starter, and he strikes out everybody. I think Spencer Strider um, is probably going to head back to triple uh, a or double a and get back to that starting role um there's definitely going to be some openings in the rotation in the next couple of years for him to to take over and uh the, with the bullpen risk like you mentioned colin for some of your guys i think it, it is very enticing to put him into the the back of a bullpen because that is one thing the braves lack is a, a guy that throws 99 98 uh from the right side and just dominates i mean they have a few lefties that are, are can get up there but the right-handed reliever it might be too tempting for a competing team to to stop that train yeah, in motion. I, 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 I've heard, I mean, this is all, who knows how concrete it is, but I, I've heard a few people mention that the plan is to use Strider as a, a, a high uh, high leverage relief pitcher this year. I don't know how, how true that is, uh, but I mean, that, it, it wouldn't be surprising if they put him in like a seventh or eighth inning role. Yeah, and if the Braves were, you know, a bottom feeder team, uh, I don't think you'd have to worry about that, but 
Um, and you know this, David, like the guys come up and there's not room in the rotation. They go to the bullpen and they become Josh Hader, you know, <laughs> and it's like, OK, yeah. that's fine. I'll suffer. Um, so what do you think, David? We got Spencer Strider, Jackson Rutledge and Andrew Painter. You're on the clock. Who's your pick? You know, of those three, I think the guy that, that I've really kind of liked is Jackson Rutledge, um, you know, and, and Strider. I mean, he's really kind of, you know, moved up a lot like recently and I haven't been, you know, quite as up to date on him. So, I mean, that might be why I'm not not going with him. But, um, you know, Rutledge ha- has always kind of had he's always had the stuff um, and provided he can stay healthy. I mean, he's someone that uh, could be a really, really strong uh, starting pitcher. Uh, you know, going forward. So as long as he's able to do that, I mean, Washington has always really kind of had uh, strong rotations. I mean, part of that has been, you know, just signing guys in free agency, but, you know, still like that, that's been a point of emphasis for them. And uh, Rutledge has, has the stuff, Um, you know, all these guys kind of have a certain level of risk, you know, with with Rutledge's uh, health and, uh, you know, somewhat command issues, painter being a, you know, a right-handed pitcher out of high school. I mean, those guys are always uh, risky and take a while to develop. I mean, Strider may be um, the safest one, but, you know, with with him trying to still develop that third pitch, um, you know, him becoming a reliever, even a high-leverage one, uh, kind of cuts down his fantasy value. All pretty close, though. I mean, they're they're very oh, yeah. valuable guys. Uh, I wouldn't mind having any of these guys on a even a show. Oh, no, not at all. Roster. Um, all right. Now, let's bring the excitement level down a little bit because we're getting a little out of control there with uh, all this wonderful, wonderful prospects that are on the rise. Let's talk about guys that have fallen. <laughs> and uh, each system has that guy. The Braves have two that we thought we're going to be superstars and I've seen as high as top 10, top 20, well, maybe not top 10, but top 20 for at least the Braves guys. Um, and then people were very, very excited about Jalen Ortiz for the Phillies um, still around 23 years old. And then I remember the hype train a few years ago for Yasal Atuna, who is a shortstop for the nationals already 22. That blew my mind. I couldn't believe he was 22. I feel like he was, uh, he's been around, uh, just a few years and here he is at 22. I thought he was a, you know, a teenager. That's why we were giving him so much time. But uh, these guys uh, definitely have fallen down the ranks in the last couple of years. So we'll start with Jalen Ortiz and uh, with you, Tony, Um, he's fallen for sure, but uh, David's going to, you know, have to pick one of these guys in his next round of his draft. So why should that be Jalen Ortiz? Uh, You know, Ortiz was signed the same year, the, uh, the national signed Juan Soto. so uh, needless to say, he, he, he hasn't panned out just yet, but uh, from what I noticed about, about watching him and, and following him, he usually takes a little while to, to kick in gear. So he'll usually struggle when he's moved up a level and then he'll kick it in gear. Like last year, I mean, he still has a little low average, still strikes out, um, but, but he has the massive power, 23 home runs over maybe 340 at-bats last year. Um, they did protect him. They did add him to their 40-man roster this offseason. Um, maybe they got hopes for him. Maybe, maybe a, a late season call up this year if, if he if he's doing as well as he as he did last year. It's taken a little longer for him to to show us what he can do, but the power's going to play. I think if he could just uh, if he could just get called up. I mean, he also plays center field, so he's he's an athletic player. They have room for him, 
I'm not saying he's going to make it out of spring training, but I don't think the team gave up on him by any means. So another year or so, I think he can prove himself. All right, Colin, tell us about Atuna um, and what your thoughts are for him moving forward. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, a little fall from grace as well for him, but uh, you also have him at number eight. That's where Jalen Ortiz is ranked on Tony's list. So tell us about uh, this shortstop, 22-year-old. I'm not totally out on him yet. I, uh, if, if he had ended the season differently, he probably would have been lower, but he, he got off to, to a really slow start and he made some mechanical adjustments to his swing. He started with a, uh, he, he went to a one-handed finish instead of a uh, two-handed. He engaged his lower half a, a little more and he, he really did finish the, the season on, on a, on a nice run. I think the big issue with him is he, he, he needs to stop switch hitting. He doesn't hit from the right side as well as he does from, for, from the left side. There's no power. There's more ground ground balls. I think that if he were to abandon the switch hitting, it, it, we would see a really, really big, big difference. I think it's great to see a player make those midseason adjustments to fix some issues. So I, I'm going to hang in there for one more season and see if he can become that, that breakout star that we've been waiting for. Yeah. And over to the brave side, they actually are, uh, they have two guys, and they're ranked five and sixth on the list uh, to show you kind of the, the lack of depth starting to show its face here. That's Drew Waters, outfielder, and Christian Pache, another outfielder, both 23. Pache, of course, has made his debut, was uh, actually qu- quite vital for their 2020 playoff run where he was starting in center field for them. Um, figured to start all year in center, uh, just didn't happen. Uh, he got overwhelmed at the plate. There's no other way to say it, but man, can he play center field? Um, Would love to get into a debate about, you know, Andrew Jones in the hall of fame, which he should be in the hall of fame. But I mean, that was the best defensive center fielder I've ever seen. And I've seen Christian Pache do Andrew Jones like things when I've been watching him live. It's just incredible. The amount of natural instinct and speed and talent he has in the outfield. Unfortunately, uh, you're not going to get any credit for that. In dynasty links. So uh, I've never been high on him for dynasty. Um, and now his real life kind of profile is, is trending downwards as well. He's got to figure out how to hit. Um, otherwise, the defense is just going to be a, a fourth outfielder. But Drew Waters is the guy who I'm going to try to convince David about. Um, this is the guy that I was you know, ranking in top 15, top 20 just a few years ago because we had a switch hitter who was uh, having speed and showing a lot of hard contact. And we were talking incredible hard contact in 2019. Um, just for the age, for how he still had some potential to grow into uh, a more mature body. I mean, there was just fantastic things. And and people definitely agreed with me on Drew Waters. Unfortunately, last year, uh, a lot of people seemed to sour on him. And that's because of the strikeouts. They just became out of control 35%. The the thing I have with Drew Water is that when he wasn't striking out, he was still mashing the ball and he's still has the speed and he's a switch hitter and he's going to probably play a great uh, I mean not compared to Christian Pache, but a great center field if he were to be allowed to play that position for a team. So Waters is a a prospect fit guy. I think Tony you coined that term earlier on where he's been around for a while and he just hasn't had giant leaps. But I'm still in on Drew Waters, and I like that he didn't get dropped too far in Michael's list at number five. A lot of buy low potential here. I've got him thrown into deals um, in the offseason 
because people are, are ready to just give them away for nothing. So uh, Drew Waters is somebody that I think, David, uh, if you had to pick between these four guys, again, I'll go over those guys, Drew Waters, Christian Pache, Jalen Ortiz, and uh, Yasal Atuna. Who do you think you would take here if you're on the clock, David? Uh, I mean, that's that's tough. Um, I mean, Drew Waters, I mean, that, that strikeout rate is quite concerning. I mean, if he's striking out at 35% in AAA, uh, when you get to the big leagues, that's probably not going to be going down. Uh, too much so I, I think of these three I might end up going with Ortiz um, just because I mean he's I mean he's up there in double a I mean he's got big power um, and, and he had a pretty solid season uh, this past year and he's kind of been slowly improving and I mean yeah he was signed to that big bonus and it's taken him a while some guys are, are just late bloomers uh, it, it just kind of happens. Not everyone who signed at 16 is going to end up being a stud by the time that they're 20. You know, like like Juan Soto's don't just happen. Um, but you know, for for Ortiz, I, I think of these of these guys uh, who who could provide the the biggest value. I think I got to go with Ortiz. Yeah, interesting. I had no idea who you were going to pick. I, I'm a I'm a little surprised it's Ortiz, but that power and uh, Tony really did do a good job convincing me on some of the uh, other stats that he might be able to provide Mm -hmm. Um, and and power. If you're going to chase something on these guys, right? I mean, these guys are all trending downwards. You might as well chase the power. Uh, It's probably the most likely to actually get the, you know, get you to the big leagues. So, Um, all right, let's move on here. Uh, David, again, you'll, you'll be the judge here uh, of the, the topic. Let's go ahead and pick some sleepers. So let's get out of the, you know, the top, the, the tier one and tier two range uh, head to tier three and below on your list. And we'll start with you, Tony. Give me a guy that um, you're just super excited about that uh, you're going to convince David to take with his next pick in his dynasty draft that he's apparently doing right now. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to go with the guy right after it. He's number nine, Ethan Wilson. Uh, 49th pick, 2021 draft. Uh, great power. Like Ortiz, uh, he, he hits really good. He's got really good plate discipline. Um, the Phillies, they, they they really, I think, really did well getting him later. Um, you know, why did he last so long? His, his defense is, is, you might be better putting me out there in outfield instead of him. That's how bad his defense is. But with the DH probably more than likely coming to the National League, it's not really, his defense shouldn't really play too bad. But, um but it, the kid get hit, like I said, hit, get on base, has some power. I think Ethan Wilson, and he's also, he's 21, a college kid, four years in college. So uh, he, he should move up quickly too. All right, Colin, again, let's stay out of tier one, uh, one and two. We can come back to those at the end if you have somebody you just have to talk about. But give me your sleeper there, tier three and below that uh, you can convince David to take. I think that Dalen Lyle, he was a... Uh, draft pick in the last draft. It could be uh, a pretty good investment right now. I, I, there have been some scouting reports saying he was the could be the best pure hitter of the class. Great bat-to-ball skills. He's already started to add some muscle to his frame, which, which is important because right now his approach is more line drive and double oriented. He's not a lot of home run power yet, but if he continues to mature, continues to add muscle, it adds to, to that power. You have a high batting average, high power, uh, very athletic out, outfielder. Now is a good time to get in on him because if ever, he puts everything together, 
he's just going to skyrocket. That's smart. You must listen to the podcast. You know David likes his draft picks recently, um, <laughs> so uh, you're probably in the lead. But I also know David quite well, and I know that he loves his pitching prospects, and so that's where I'm going to head here. And I'm going to number 11 on Michael's list. Um, that's Joey Estes. So Estes is an example of a guy that uh, you you had a, a rough 2019 sample size was small for sure, but it was uh, it was not good. Um, and then you had 2020 where who knows, right? Who knows what these guys were doing during 2020? Um, whatever Joey Estes did, it was fantastic because he came back in 2021 and all you have to do is scout the stat line for this. And I remember, you know, I follow the minor leagues for the Braves and they do little summaries on Talking Chop. Great website if you're a Braves fan, by the way. Um, and they do these summaries. And every time Estes was pitching, it was incredible the amount of performances. So you had a 2.9 ERA as a 19-year-old in low A with 127 strikeouts over 99 innings, which should get you excited. But a 2.6 walks per nine should get you even more excited when you're talking a teenager um, in low A. So, you know, two years, three years younger than his competition, doing those types of things, going after hitters, not walking hitters, and getting fantastic results. It's one of the biggest risers in the Brave system. To be honest, you could probably put him up into the top 10 without even blinking an eye um, for the Atlanta Braves. So, there you go. David, you got Joey Estes. You have uh, Ethan Wilson. Was that uh, yours, Tony, right? Yep. And, and Dalen Lyle for Colin. Uh, interesting choice. I bet you didn't think you'd have to pick between those three when we started the podcast. So uh, on the clock, your last pick in a draft, let's say, who are you taking? Yeah, I I did not think I'd have to be picking between them. I mean, these are all really solid options. I like Dale and Lyle. I like Ethan Wilson. Uh, really liked him in the draft. But of these three, I think I got to go Joey Estes. I mean, the, the sub three ERA, the strikeout to walk ratio, I mean, that's just... That's really exciting. Um, that that's something that that can really get you going, especially at, at such a young age. Um, you really like to see it, and it's a really good sign of, of what's to come for him. So, uh, I, I think given those three guys, I'd have to take Estes. Uh, but Ethan Wilson is really a, a pretty close second. I really liked him in the draft, and uh, you know his power um, is is incredible, and is he's got a really strong hit tool. Uh, to be able to tap into that on a pretty regular basis. Um, so Wilson's probably a close second, but I got to go with Estes. All right. A victory yet again for the Atlanta Braves. I love it. <laughs> All right. Um, next, this uh, this next exercise I want to go over here is, is to kind of let you guys, again, kind of free ball it here. Um, tier four, tier five, again, we've been doing the list a little bit differently this year. So you get to see all the names there just in front of you. But I know, I, I mean, I just finished my list and published it. It was published today that there are some guys that just get you a little bit more excited here in the tier four and tier five range. So I'll let you guys pick one, maybe two, if you're really excited and you can't control it. But Tony, um, why don't you, you give us one of your sleepers, deep sleepers here in your tier four and tier five range? All right. Um, tier four, uh, 20, rank number 20. Uh, 19-year-old kid, Alexis Ajuege, um, rookie, rookie league. Um, kid has showed just a lot of maturity. Um, 2018 J2 signing. He's got some speed and power. Yeah, he really uh, controls the plate, gets on base at a pretty high clip for a kid so young. So I think um, I think he'll be my tier four pick. 
if I had a tier five pick, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go James MacArthur. Um, big right-hander. He, he did pretty good in the Arizona Fall League. Um, added a, a third pitch, uh, throws in the mid-90s. They added him to their 40-man roster this offseason. Um, I, I think he could surprise some, maybe be a serviceable start in the major leagues next year. Well, the year after next, if not late this year. Yeah, I don't know about you, Tony, but any system that has a number one overall draft pick at number 24 must, I mean, their system just is loaded, right? Sorry, that's oh, my well, Mickey Moniac oh, joke for you. Right, right. That shows the depth of the system, obviously. Of course, of course. No, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I love that last name, too. Can you pronounce it one more time for me? That the, uh, Jules Leger? Was that what it was? Jules Leger. Alexis Leger. Oh, Beautiful. I think you just picked him so you could pronounce it because that's a fun name. <laughs> no, great. Uh, great stuff. Uh, let's go over to you, Colin. Uh, I like that. Let's pick one from tier four. And if you could, tier five as well. Uh, you have some names that I, I'm I'm interested to see uh, if you pick them because I, I do recognize some of these names down here. Um, Mason Thompson comes to mind for one of them. But uh, go ahead and, uh, and tell me your picks. Thompson's definitely a good name. The one name that I uh... – was looking at is Infante. He's he's not he doesn't have a plus tool right now, but he's got a very good baseball IQ. All the tools should be at least average, uh, if if not if not better. Just a solid solid player that could come out of this, this tier. And tier five, I'm gonna go a little differently with tier five. I'm gonna say Drew Mendoza. He really could not be any worse of a season for him last year. He just, nothing really went right for him. And he's a first base only player. So if he's not hitting, there's really nowhere else to put him. His stock can only go up. It can't get any, any lower. The power is still there. So I, I think he's a guy you want to watch right now. If you believe in him, now's a good time to get in there and buy buy low because he could just bounce back. We've seen players have down years and just rebound completely the uh, next year. I'm going to go off script just for a little bit because I recognize another name down here. And I, I, I'm very interested because I don't know your system, obviously, as well as yours. But Jordy Barley, you have all the way up at um, number 31, which is fantastic. I loved that guy. Um, and I never even got him up to that high. I don't think in my system for the Padres, um, just really quick. Uh, what'd you think of him? I like him. There's the, there's some power there. There's definitely some, some K issues though, but he does know how to take a walk. He had like a 12% walk rate when he was over after the trade, he can steal a ton of bases. Though. That's, that's his, his big skill is, is that speed. Very exciting player. Hit tool very, very raw. So he's definitely another guy I, I would keep my my eye on this year. Yeah, I mean, and I he's going to stick it short. And even if that hit tool doesn't develop, he might be a guy that just comes up and steals 30 bases and plays shortstop for them. I mean, if, if, if he walks at the same rate he does and just hits enough for some of that that power to come through and he steals that amount of bases, that's that's a great, that's a great fantasy player. Yeah, I, I was enamored with him with the Padres. Um, all right, I'll go ahead and uh, do my best Michael Kelly impersonation once more to go over a couple guys here in the tier four and tier five for the Atlanta Braves. The one guy that I, you know, the Braves had a guy that was essentially the same thing, and that was Bryce Ball. He got shipped, shipped off to the Cubs. Um, but 
they had a guy that was essentially a clone who was just a little bit behind, and that is Makai Backstrom. He's number 27 for Michael, and we're talking the same sort of light tower, insane power, and uh, the same like build where he looks like he's a linebacker in the NFL. I mean, he's he's the same thing as Bryce Ball was. So if you liked Bryce Ball for the Braves, and he got a lot of hype there for a minute, um, you're going to like Makai Backstrom as well. We haven't seen a lot from him. He's still only 20 years old, but um, those type of tools are just you know, at this level, uh, you know, tier four, tier five, you just sort of bank and and hope that they can do something to uh, get the, the ball in play. Uh, in tier five, a guy that uh, much like Mendoza, like you were saying, Colin, who had a, a miserable year, that was Stephen Polini. He did not have a good 2021, but the fantasy profile is still quite appealing with power and hit. Uh, the problem with Polini is he hasn't faced good competition. Um ever until this last year. Um, and it is very, you know, I, I understand having him at 43 because the concern was he didn't face good competition. And then when he did, he sucked. Like there's no nice way to put that. I'm sorry if you're listening, Stephen, but if he were to figure it out and make the necessary adjustments, and as a 21 year old, there is still hope for that. You're going to get stolen bases and you're going to get home runs and uh, just a huge, fantasy profile for you and when you get to the 40s there's not a lot of guys that can offer the upside that Paulini does and you can get Paulini for free almost in every dynasty league I'd imagine so he would be my pick um David I'll come back to you I won't make you pick between those guys those are you know sleepers oh thank goodness (laughs) and uh definitely you know uh, trying to get some uh some knowledge out to those fantasy deep dynasty leagues. So uh, let's say your draft has already ended, but I did want to give you an opportunity, David, to talk about a guy that um, you were interested in from any of the lists and uh, maybe that you like, and then we can get the the thoughts on uh, the other person's um, mindset as well. So is there anybody that catches your eye with the Phillies or the Nationals or the Braves that uh, you want to talk about for just a little bit here at the end? I mean, there's a guy on the in the Mets system that that I want to talk about that we didn't get a chance to. That'll, if I that'll can throw count. that at you. Sure. We hate the Mets, but let's let's bring him back. Yeah, we do. But uh, but I like this guy, and it's down in a tier four for them at number 21, J.T. Schwartz, uh, first baseman uh, out of UCLA. And I saw this guy in the Northwoods League. Uh, he was on the team when I was uh, broadcasting over there in lacrosse, so I got to see him every single day. Uh, this kid's a stud. Th- this kid is probably the best pure hitter I have ever seen uh, up close like that. I mean, ju- just barrels the ball every single time, uh, everything. Like, like his batting practice sessions were insane. I mean, he was on the same team as, as Ryan Holgate, who has as much power as anyone. But Schwartz was different. I mean, he was someone where everything – finds a gap. Everything finds a hole. Everything's barreled. Like you take his batting practice. It'd be single, double, double, single, like just spraying the ball all over the plate, all over the place can hit it to all fields. He, he's a big dude. He, the power is going to come. He like, he's such a talented hitter and he gets a barrel on the ball. So often that power is going to get there uh, as he continues to, to fill out his frame and, and you know, learns to really kind of, uh, pull the ball like that. That hasn't been his focus so far, but uh, he's an incredible pure hitter. Uh, that power is going to come. Um, and he's really, um, uh, you know, just a great high character, 
high work ethic kid um, that I, I think is just going to thrive uh, in professional baseball and really become a, a very, very strong hitter. That's a perfect one to end on because now I can say, may the Schwartz be with you. And we can yes the podcast like that. May the Schwartz be with you. Wow. What a world. Fantastic. All right. Uh, <laughs> Tony, Colin, thanks for joining us. Tony, go ahead and give people a way to follow you and uh, anything that you potentially might be working on or, or want the universe to know. Uh, had a blast. Thank you guys. For, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I can be reached Tony Bips one T O N Y B P S one at Twitter. Um, next article coming out Dominican winter league recap. That should be out in a couple of weeks. Uh, after that, I want to do the Phillies J two signings go down. I think they signed about 11 kids. We'll look with, with, uh, what may come down the line from them potentially from those kids. Yeah, I know. I wish we had a time David to do J two signings. Cause there's, some interesting oh yeah stuff. couldn't include them Bonus in podcast we got to talk to scott about that <laughs> um yeah. I, I can't I'm, I'm excited to see where some of the padres guys land i'm sure you guys as well with your teams all right colin what about you where can we follow you on twitter and uh, what's uh, on the horizon for you you can find me on twitter uh at cjc07 uh the next thing that i think you can expect from me in the uh near future would be a profile on the Nationals' top international signing, Christian uh, Vaquero. He signed probably the day or the day after my article was submitted, so he was admitted from my rankings. I definitely want to get uh, some words on it, some words down about him. He's considered one of the best prospects in this J2 class, so I, I really want to get his his name out there. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, Michael Kelly, again, uh, unfortunately, weren't able to keep him on. Busy celebrating. You can follow him at mkelly underscore nd. That is Kelly with L-L-E-Y when you spell it out. And uh, you should follow him because he's a Braves fan, and that means he's awesome. So, um, of course, you could follow me at Alex underscore W underscore Sanchez, David Gasper at D Gasper 24 on Twitter. Of course, follow prospects 1500. We're nearing the end of our top 50 lists, but we have the uh, AL East coming up. We have for podcast wise, at least. And then right now the NL West and the um, uh, is being released on the site. My Padres list, check it out. I'll do a, a simple plug there. Uh, go check that one out so I can, lead the site in page views and then i'll buy everybody some beer that would be my <laughs> deal um but uh thanks for listening we really appreciate it uh david anything else to add before we sign off may the short to be with you love it that's perfect all right futures focus prospects 1500 podcast we will come at you actually with an episode relatively soon we have the al east it's going to be this week you're getting two episodes this week so stay tuned take care talk to you later 